This is Hank for the Wildflower Bee Farm. It's Saturday, October 23rd, 2021. Weeds or wildflowers? That's the initial topic for this week, and I'm going to get into that in a minute. I just want to thank all of you for for listening and and downloading the podcast. Please share it and and get your ideas out there and, and tell your friends. I think the more we're all aware of what's happening to our environment, the better. And while we do talk a great deal about bees, we're really talking about the conversion of our 50-acre conventional farm back to nature. And we're going to be talking more and more about that throughout the winter because that's also part, a big part, really, of the motivation of what we're doing here. And I'll have other podcasts to talk about some of the details of how we got to this point and uh, where we're headed. Just yesterday I was out, you know, traipsing through. It was a pretty cloudy day. It was kind of cold. I had to wear a jacket, so there wasn't a lot going on with bees flying or anything, but... I walked around and I, I really started to notice again that there were a number of different um, flowers, wildflowers blooming. And if you go to our Instagram, uh, you'll see some of the, I think I put a clip up there. And I just took a spot, I walked in the middle of sort of a section of the of the field that was a, used to be a field. And I just sort of did a bit of a scan with my iPhone camera and video. And and you could see a number of different varieties of wildflowers that we call wildflowers or you could call weeds. So it's interesting how that concept can change. When I think of the list of wildflower seed we planted last year, on that list were two different types of milkweed and two or three different types of goldenrod, for example, which... In the farming, when I was back farming, we would probably call those like serious weeds. Uh, And a number of others. I mean, when you think of thistles, the amazing um, pollen and nectar that thistles provide. And and I saw some of those still blooming yesterday. Uh, The south thistle, the beautiful yellow south thistle that I call beautiful, which I wouldn't have said was beautiful in my farming days, is, is still blooming. I mean, I'm not sure if there's a lot that needs to be you know, done by bees this time. I mean, if the bees foragers aren't finished now, they're in a lot of trouble. And I'll finish today by talking about a bit of a report on the hives and where we're headed for the winter. But um, the the issue of weeds or wildflowers is really an important definition that we have to kind of get over. Because we seem to have this constant battle. On the one hand, we talk about, you know, pollinators, not just honeybees, but all the wild pollinators we're losing and how we need to be more conscious. But part of that comes with understanding that to, to survive, these bees need access to what we traditionally would call weeds. Yet we pretty much have eradicated most weeds in agricultural communities. I mean, the farms all around me, and good for the farmers, have not a weed in them. I mean, hardly anything. I, I, you, could, you could do 50 acres, you'd be lucky to find one weed in my neighbor's soybean field. And this is after being beside our, our project, which is, I guess, encouraging because one of the things, you know, one of the things people could argue is when you do a project like ours, you're ruining the farmland around you and all of that. Well, that's not true. And we actually know the yields go up if, if farms are around places like ours. But my point to that is if it were not for our 50 acres, where would pollinators go to get anything to eat and survive? Um, forests are very poor as far as, you know, truly growing forests are very poor at being able to provide wildflowers, pollen, and nectar. So bees have to travel, and there's not a lot of pasture anymore, and you know the story. 
So part of our success has to do with getting over this issue, I think, the success of pollinators, I should say, is about getting over this issue of the hate for weeds. And we all have it because we're brought up with it. And we have bylaws in most uh, municipalities to, to make you cut them down or spray them or get rid of them if there's a certain weed. You know, the invasive species term is, is, is everywhere. In fact, I believe, and I've talked about this before, in Banff National Park, white clover, sweet white clover, is considered an invasive species. Think of it. Sweet white clover that has twice the sugar content of its pollen, uh, sorry, of its nectar, um, and a, num- a number of other um, you know, um, weeds that actually, or, or invasive, now identified as invasive species that are actually uh, necessary, not just for pollinators, but for wildlife, birds, other other animals and insects. So as I looked at this, this video I was making, I thought, gee, this is, this is, most of these are weeds. <laughs> Back in the day, we'd call them junk. And every once in a while, you see a, um, you know, a brown-eyed Susan or, a, you know, a special kind of flower, the wildflower that's popped up. Um, and, and then you say, well, yeah, that's, you know, that's a true wildflower. But then you look to the right and left and you see thistle or you see goldenrod and, and, and you wonder. So I, I think part of it is we have to accept. And that's one of the things I remember when I first talked to a, a supposed expert about planting uh, tall grass prairie and, and wildflowers he said well how do you feel about weeds and I said what do you mean he said well are you going to run in and try to spray stuff and you know cut all this stuff down if if you see you know some some weeds and I said no I'm not (laughs) I I, that amount of effort isn't something I'm looking to do and I don't want to use spray so the the weed issue you need to think about too when you think about putting in a small plot of wildflowers or perhaps tall grass prairie or or letting, planting some clover or some other things for pollinators that you have to be accepting of the fact that, that weeds are okay and what we call weeds are often incredible resources for pollinators, both natural and the honeybees. So a quick tour, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a full, um, so back, I'll just close off to, on that topic to say you need to answer that question so that you're comfortable with either definition and, and you know I'm comfortable that you do whatever. I, I think it's today a myth to believe that because um, you know, we have 50 acres of uh, wildflowers in nature. The farmers around us aren't going to have incredible crops and be able to do their thing as they want. And we certainly have no issues with all the farming that's done. And I know it's high tech and, you know, pesticide heavy and all of that. There's no, there's no organic farmers around us. And that's okay. It just adds to the challenge and makes us realize that this is our world. And if we're going to be successful, part of our challenge is to, to develop practices that allow us to have a 50-acre refuge in the middle of, of a successful agricultural community. Because often, um, our type of idea of turning acreage back over to nature is done on land that isn't useful for anything else. In our case, we took 50 acres of probably some of the best land in, in, in Canada um, and we turned it back over to nature. We're doing that right now. So this is this is an exciting project. So it's been a difficult week with the bees. I got to tell you, this this Darwinian black bee box technique is very painful um, because we knew there would be losses. And there are cases in Europe where someone would have a hundred hives and use this technique and get all the way down to one before it started to turn around. And I can tell you that we're going from 28 hives in the late spring 
We're going into the winter with 12, perhaps 10, and it hurts. And I just, when I walk around and I look at them and I can kind of tell what's going on, we had a significant number of bees taken out by robberies. And it's because they were weak. They, they swarmed, they did late season swarms, some of them. Well, actually a number of them did late season swarms, which made them weaker and susceptible. And I believe in some cases we had queen failure, in some cases we had uh, mite issues, obviously. Um, and so this is really painful. And then the question comes up, well, who's robbing these bees? Well, that's a great question. Um, we know that some of our hives obviously are robbing the others, and some hives even rob others while they're being robbed, which is the craziest thing. I can summarize a couple of points that I've just through observations, and, and we're going to spend the winter crunching data um, mainly for research purposes. It's not going to change anything because in the spring, whatever survives, and we're hoping we get, you know, I'm hoping for seven hives or eight hives or even five. Once they begin to take off, according to the technology and technique, we're supposed to do what are called splits or unnatural swarms where we take the successful hives and create more other hives with them, which is a less intrusive way to do it. And hopefully we'll get back up to 20 or 25 hives from our own stock, and then we'll go through the process again, suffer again as the bees will through the natural progression of attacks and, and you know, uh, hives moving on. And that's the other thing we see. Hives just move on. They just, they just go whether the queen dies or not, and, and it's not necessarily a swarm, they just choose to move. And, and this is a phenomenon we're going to be studying more of next year. So we are left with some incredibly strong hives and some hives that I'm not sure are going to make it, but we will, um, this week I'm going to be positioning uh, some sensors in some of the hives just to give us some winter data and get ready for the winter season. So this is truly a difficult technique. The uh, Darwinian uh, black bee box technique and, and I believe in it it's going to be tough and I'm hoping that we are isolated enough I know we're getting some there's some there were some summer bees uh, for pollination purposes a few kilometers away and they probably also got involved with the robbing and, and may have infiltrated some of our hives but it's what it's the reality it's it's what it is and we have to try to figure it out so I'm Hank for the wildflower bee farm a couple of new announcements we'll be having we Hopefully next week we'll be announcing a new um, a hive, uh, sorry, not a hive, a farm and site sponsor, which is very exciting. Um, and that will help us with our ongoing projects. We also have over 100 schools now that are using our curriculum written by Pat McGarry, a teacher in Canada. We have uh, just uh, received approval in Calgary for all the Calgary schools to go on their website and check us out because Calgary checked us out and said we're okay to go. So we had a number of Calgary schools um, register just uh, this week and we're excited about that. Uh, we also continue every month to put out new um, new materials for the Bee Science Club and that's something we, we have launched but we're very doing it very slowly so that people can uh, can have a look at what we're doing. So I'm Hank from the Wildflower Bee Farm. Remember go to wildflowerbeefarm.com and and have a look at our videos and if you know some teachers get them to download our free lesson plans and curriculum and support our cause. You have an amazing day. Talk to you soon.